0: It's not optional, you know. Uh, There's no substitute for a godly dad. There's not. You know, I know you ladies, and uh, I'm thankful for you ladies, all right? Uh, I love my wife, and I love my mom and my grandmother, and I'm thankful for the influence they had in my life and have in my life. Uh, But there is no substitute for a godly dad. God designed it that way. And when we stick with the way he designed it, it works. And oh, how it works wonderfully. When we look at what's going on in our country today, I I promise you it's a direct tie back to the fact that we're trying to do it a different way than God's way. There, There is no way other than having a godly dad at the home. Will it work if mom stands in? Absolutely. And thank God for you moms who do. But if you want to know the ideal circumstance, it's exactly what God created, a home with a mom and dad. Now, not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets to have that, and I understand that. But boy, if you got that, Dad, if you've got a home, oh, I pray this morning that you'll take full advantage of the opportunity that God's given you to be that man. Be that man. Unfortunately, sometimes moms have to step in. Thank God for you. Thank God for other godly men. Maybe you don't have a godly dad in your home or didn't have one in your home. Thank God for the grace he sends through other people. I told my Sunday school class today that I'm thankful for all of uh, my relatives, of course my dad and my grandfather that had invested in me, but oh, the grace that God extended to me through other men. I'm thankful for that. If you're a man in this church this morning, you ought to do that. You ought to extend grace and be a blessing to some of our young people, encourage them because... Boy, they got a lot against them right now in this world, and I tell you, a godly dad or a father figure is what's needed in the life of every young person. We ought to strive to be that. I do hope you're having a great Father's Day. I hope uh, hope you to get up this morning and spend some time either in person or on the phone with your dad, and if not, uh, maybe this morning you can be encouragement to somebody else, but I told Brother Michael, I said, I don't know why they put these on Sunday, You know, I only work one day a week, and that's on Sunday, and you know, I don't really get to enjoy it because this is the one day of the week that I work, and uh, I don't really get to spend a whole lot of time uh, celebrating it because we have a lot of things going on, but I am thankful for my dad, I'm also thankful for my father, amen, I have a wonderful dad. Uh, But boy, I have a holy father and he loved me enough. And listen to me this morning, if you don't have a godly dad in your life, you can have a godly father, a heavenly father, a holy father, and I hope you know him this morning as your personal savior. Uh, This morning we're going to talk to dads for a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and throw the, uh, the annual disclaimer out there Just because we're talking to dad or to the men this morning uh, doesn't mean that this doesn't apply to everyone. This applies to all of us that are here today. And what we say to men, you could easily plug yourself into that. And maybe this morning you're a mom or a wife or a young person. Look, young people, this will help you this morning know what you young men ought to be one day and what our young ladies ought to be looking for. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter number 17, when you find it, let's stand together. Thank the Lord that he blessed us all through the bad weather. I was in and out of town all week this week, and everywhere I went, it seemed like there was a tree laying over the road somewhere, and thankful that God blessed our church and our people, allowed us to be able to get to church today. I know some folks are still without power uh, today. They just got power back at the camp, I think, yesterday or the night before yesterday, and all the young people going to camp tomorrow, I know they're excited about that. That means air conditioning, right? We've all got a little bit addicted to this thing called air conditioning. As a kid, I had an attic fan. Did anybody else have an attic fan growing? up, you turn it on, the ceiling starts roaring, oh, I was always afraid a pirate was going to come out of our ceiling, our attic fan. Why? I don't know. I was a kid with an imagination, and I always knew as soon as those louvers opened, this pirate was going to come out with a peg leg. It always scared me to death, but as I got older, I got used to a central heat and air particularly the air part of it, and I'm thankful we have power. And we're going to have a great time. Pray for our kids. We'll be heading out to camp tomorrow morning, team camp next week. Looking forward to a great time with them. Exodus chapter 17, if you would, look down to verse 8. I'm going to read a familiar passage today. Uh, I'm going to try to encourage our, our men out of this a little bit, but I promise you there's something here for everybody today. Exodus 17:8. then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim, And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Interesting dynamic there. Verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this wonderful passage. Lord, it just thrills my heart to know this is not a fairy tale. Lord, this really happened. And the very God that made this happen is the very God that we trust in today. And I pray that all of us here are looking to you. Father, yes, I'll preach the message, but I pray we're all looking to you today to get something from you, knowing, Lord, that you desire to work in our life just as you worked here through Moses and through Joshua and, Lord, through Aaron and through her. I pray that you bless it. there's one lost today. Lord, it's been a blessing to see people saved this week already. I pray that you'd help us see more people saved today, Lord, through the conviction of your Holy Spirit and, Lord, through obedience and trusting Christ. I pray that all we do today, we bring honor and glory to your name in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, what a wonderful passage today. Uh, I don't know. I hope you've read through your Bible. And I hope in the reading through your Bible you've read this passage before. But maybe you don't quite understand exactly what happened. But what a beautiful picture here of what God is doing and working through these men that we just read about. And so here's what's going on. Obviously the exodus has taken place. They're wandering there through the wilderness on the way to where they're going. And now here comes Amalek to fight against God's people. So Moses says, Joshua, I want you to pick out some men And go fight, Amalek. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up on the mountain, and I'm going to stand there looking over the battle, and I'll have the rod of God in my hand. Oh, there are so many messages to be preached on the rod of God that was in Moses' hand. It presided over many wonderful works that God wrought, but we don't have time to preach all of them today. We'll try to just preach one, okay? So Moses is up on the mountain, and as Moses holds up that rod, Joshua gets the upper hand over Amalek. And they're winning the battle. But obviously Moses was human just like you and I are. And uh, if you've ever tried those exercises where you hold up the kettlebells, anybody ever tried that? Uh, No, me either. (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's part of my problem. And you hold them up and after a while what happens? Your arms get tired. Now look, your arms will get tired even if you're holding up nothing. You just hold them out there long enough. If you want to do it during the service, you're more than welcome, okay? Just try it out, hold them out there, and sooner or later your arms are going to get tired. And then they start to let down. Well, this is what happened to Moses. Moses is standing there. He's holding his staff up over the battle as Joshua, down below on the plain, is fighting. And as his hand begins to lower, Amalek begins getting the victory over Joshua. So you see this back and forth taking place. Can you imagine the struggle that that Moses was going through? That as his hand began to get tired and go down, that all of a sudden Amalek began to win. But then something amazing happens. The Bible says that when he went up to the mountain, verse number 9, verse 10, you read all of this, that Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill with him. And Aaron and Hur steps in to aid Moses so that the the battle could be won. Now, can I tell you this morning, the the picture here is very self-explanatory. Of how God was using some men down on the battlefield. He was using one man up on the mountain for one purpose. And he used two other men for another purpose. But all of those men worked together in order to see the victory, in order to be won. Now folks, this morning, I don't know about you, that's an encouragement for me today to see how God works. That God works through all kinds of people in different places, but ultimately God gave the victory when all of them did what God had for them to do that way. I think about how many times in my life and in my ministry people have been an encouragement to me and how people have stepped in in my life to help me get victory in my life. I think about my dad, it's Father's Day, I can't help but think about him and the influence my dad has had in my life and the encouragement, even sometimes encouragement that I did not want to hear. You ever got encouragement like that? Uh, there was a day, I had a really bad day some point, I don't know, six or so months ago and I'm sitting there in the office and I finally just got frustrated, got up from the desk, walked into the little side room, there's a recliner in there and I just sat down there mulling over in my mind what I needed to do about a particular situation and I was distressed about it. Uh, Lo and behold, as it would be coincidence, who walks in the door? It's my dad. Walks in the door and looks over and he says, what's the matter? And it may have been something like, what's the matter with you? Because he could see my face and I was not happy at the moment and I just said, I got this and I got that and I don't understand why this is happening and this person, I can't help them and this. And dad looks down at me and he says, well, you didn't think it was going to be easy, did you? Appreciate that. Evidently, he's been reading up on the Hallmark cards again and, and got that one out of there. Never forget, he looked down at me and I, says, I said, I'm having to invest so much more to get these victories in certain folks' lives and trying to help some folks. And dad says, if you want more, it's going to cost you more. Man, there was a moment my hand was getting tired and all of a sudden, God had a man step in, in my case, it was my dad on that day, and help pick up the hand, realize, hey, you got to stick in this thing, stick it out. God's got a victory. God's got a work that he wants to do. There was a lady in, in Louisiana when I pastored there. Her name's Carol Pulowski. If you think about Miss Carol Pulowski, you pray for her. She's having a little heart trouble right now. Dear, sweet friend of mine. Uh, she didn't get out a lot and go out a lot necessarily, but Miss Carol would write me three letters a week. I would receive one on Saturday. She would time it Or I would get a handwritten note from her, a letter from her every Saturday. I'd get one on Wednesday and then one a different day of the week. And they were handwritten letters to me encouraging her pastor. You know what she was doing? She was doing what Aaron and her did. She was trying to help hold up my hands in the battle. Why? Because there are times your hands get heavy. You ever had people who help hold up your hands? You ever have somebody be an encouragement to you? Just at the right place, at the right time, to give that little bit of encouragement to you, just as Aaron and her were. I was standing at the back door of a church. I was preaching a revival this past week up in the Lake Mississippi and... I am um, uh, standing at the back door and this little girl, Madeline, walks out and she just walks out and she does this as she walks out. I thought it was a complaint note. That's usually what people look like when they have a complaint note. And I'm like, wow, they're getting younger and younger uh, with their complaints. And so I'm like, what did she say? You preach too long or what? So I opened up this note and there was this beautifully colored picture uh, that she had handed me and there's me there in a yellow shirt and head full of hair. I love that kid. Um... And then right, right there underneath my, my right arm, there's little Madeline standing there. She wrote a note there in the middle of the page. It says, I love the message. I still have that message in my Bible. I, I left the note in my Bible. You know what she did? She encouraged me. She held, as a matter of fact, you look, there's little Madeline standing right there in the picture underneath my arm, holding up my hands. I'm thankful for people who are there and who have been there in my life to hold up our hands. I know you're thankful for people like that as well. Encouragements to you, blessings to you, that man, when your hands begin to get heavy and begin to fall, people stepped in. And can I tell you the neat thing about those people? They never really knew what they meant to you, did they? They never had an idea that at that moment in your life, your hands were getting weak and your hands were getting heavy and they started to fall and all of a sudden they came along and gave you a thumbs up and that gave you the boost to get over the hill to keep on the will of God for your life. I thank God for people like that. There was a time years ago, I had a gentleman in my church on staff and he began to live a life contrary to the word of God, very contrary to the word of God and very publicly so I had to meet with him and ask him to step down from that position, and one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And so I invited a gentleman in our church by the name of Brother Hub. Brother Hub was in his 70s or 80s at the time, and just a seasoned Christian in our church. I said, Brother Hub, would you meet me there at the church? I have to talk with this gentleman, and I'd rather have you there when I talk to him. And so I sat there at a table in a Sunday school class, began to explain to the gentleman how he was living contrary to the Word of God, and how I was going to ask him to step down from his position in the church. And uh, I thought I did it very diplomatically. I thought I did it kindly. Uh, On the inside, I was scared to death, but I thought I did it without even sounding like I was a chicken. Suddenly that man comes over, the table puts his finger in my face, the veins on his forehead were popping out, his pupils had dilated. I thought I am fixing to die right here in this Sunday school class. He torches me from one side to the other. He even pointed to the cemetery at our church, and he says, there have been pastors like you come through before. I mean, well, that didn't go as well as I thought it would. He torched me. He stormed out of that room. I'm not resigning. You're going to have to make me step down. And here I was, 20-something-year-old pastor, scared to death. Brother Hub sitting across the table. As he stormed out the door, Brother Hub does this. That's all I needed. Let me know I'm with you. Standing with you, I'm going to help hold up your hands. Now, folks, I want you to see something this morning. The men on that battlefield, I don't know if they knew what Aaron and her did, but what Aaron and her did mattered. The men that are down there, they're on the battlefield and they're fighting and they're trying to get the victory. I don't know if they ever knew what Aaron and Her did, but Aaron and Her mattered. They made their presence count. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite war stories ever, I read it when I was in my teens. I'll tell it to you right quick. I have three very quick points I'm going to share with you, but the introduction is going to be majority of the message this morning, if you don't mind. In 1967, there was a top gun pilot. He piloted an F-4 Phantom off the USS Kitty Hawk during the Vietnam War. 1967, he took off on his 75th bombing mission. He was a very experienced pilot. He had taken off and and landed on aircraft carriers over 100 times. He was very experienced at what he did. He was five months from getting out of the service. He took off of the USS Kitty Hawk to go on his 75th bombing mission, and a surface-to-air missile hit his plane, and he parachuted to safety. For 2,103 days, Charlie Plum sat in an 8-foot-by-8-foot cell as a prisoner of war. Thankfully, he was able to get out after everything was over, be repatriated, come back to the States, and would retire after 31 years of service to the United States military. Charlie Plum was in a restaurant one night and was speaking to a group of gentlemen that were there. And someone walked across the room, someone he had never met and never known. And it says, hey, you're Charlie. He said, yes, I am. He says, do I know you? He says, no, you don't know me, but I know you. He says, I've heard your story and how you were a prisoner of war. You got shot down and all those things. He says, all right, nice to meet you. He says, you don't know me, but I know you. And believe it or not, we have something in common. Charlie Plum looked at him and he says, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm the young man that was below deck on the USS Kitty Hawk, and I'm the man who packed your parachute. Charlie Plum was humbled and stuck out his hand, he says, I'm here today because of Nobody ever knew who that man was that packed the parachute, and now Charlie Plum travels all over the country giving speeches and motivational, motivational encouragement because of those who have packed his parachute. People that maybe you never know, and people that never realized what their influence in your life mattered, but they mattered. Can I tell you, Charlie Plum didn't know the guy that packed his parachute, but that guy mattered. Because when his plane began to plummet over Hanoi and we crashed to the ground, it was that parachute that got Charlie plumbed to the ground safely and ultimately back to the States. That man mattered. Just like Aaron and her in chapter number 17, they mattered. This morning, I want you to consider this thought, if you don't mind. I look at our country. I have a picture I to show you right quick. A Fox News article I read the other day, and you can go look it up. It's, it's on there right now. This was on Fox News on June the 1st. The marriage collapse and absent fathers are what's leading to the unraveling of Christianity in the United States. Go read the article. This is not necessarily a preachy article. This is done by an independent organization who did a survey and a study on why this country is falling apart. And the article goes on to say that it's marriage collapse and the absence of fathers. This morning, I am afraid that we as men, and hopefully men of God this morning... We don't understand just how much we really matter. We think, well, if I don't do my job, my wife will step up, there's daycares that'll step up, the pastor will step up, I mean, the school teacher will step up. Can I tell you this morning, there is no substitute for a godly father. Yes, they may get by, and yes, by the grace of God, he gets them through, but oh, a difference in the life of a young person and the difference in a home when there's a godly father there. It matters this morning. Listen to me, man, you may not be a father, but godly men matter. I know in this world, the dad, the husband, he's the bumbling idiot. You can't watch a television show, even cartoons today, where the dad is not characterized as a moron. I mean, the the mom, look, thank God for moms, and yes, they do run a lot of what we do in our lives, and I'm so thankful for them, but there's no substitute for a godly dad. There's no substitute in our society for godly men, and this morning, I'm going to preach on this subject very simply for a few minutes on men that mattered, men that mattered, Now, by the way, everything we preach this morning, it applies to women, okay? It can be women that matter, teenage guys that matter, teenage girls that matter. Uh, This applies to all of us because it's the inspired and errant word of God. But this morning, I want to look at Aaron and her. And I want to look at what they were able to do for Moses and why they mattered so much. Because if there was ever a time in our society where we needed men that mattered, it's right now. We need some men that matter. We don't need men who are sitting on the sidelines skeptical cynical spectators of what's going on in the world we need men like aaron and her that are willing to get involved and make their presence matter we need moms that way as well but let's look this morning at what they did if you don't mind look down to verse number nine i'm sorry look at verse number 10. so joshua did as moses had said to him and fought with amalek and moses and aaron and her went up to the top of the hill Verse number 11, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Now watch this. Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. Now can I tell you what's amazing right here? When the Bible says that Moses' hands were heavy, we never hear Moses saying anything. We see Aaron, and we see her. They're kind of standing there. I'm assuming they're somewhere near Moses. Moses is standing there. He's holding up his staff, and boy, God's using Moses. But as Aaron and her stand there, they begin to notice that his hands start to go down. I mean, look, he's, he's human, and his hands begin to sink. And all of a sudden, Aaron and her says, hey, we got to do something. They didn't have to be asked to do it. That's why men that matter, number one, notice, they were unhesitant men. They were unhesitant men. They did not wait to get involved. They didn't wait for Moses. I don't think Moses had a little bell, but, you know, Moses, ring the bell when you need service. They didn't have to. Why? They were attentive to the need that was there, and they decided, hey, as soon as I see a place, I'm going to step in without hesitation. Now, what's amazing to me today is, look, we have so many avenues for us to voice our opinion. Uh, We have social media. uh, We have the freedom of speech here in America. You can write letters. What's amazing, though, is oftentimes that's the extent of our involvement. That's the extent of it. We see what's going on in the world. Could we not say this morning that the people of God and the army of God, that the army of the world seems to be getting the best of us? You look at what's going on in our world, it seems like the forces of evil are marching across this country. It seems like they're getting the best of us. Can I tell you why? I believe this morning, the reason we're seeing the battle not go in our behavior, in in our favor, is because too many of us men are sitting back and we're waiting to get involved. Aaron and her says, you know what? His hand's going down. We've got to step in. Why? Because those people are depending upon this victory. You look at our country today, oh, we are in a mess. We are in a mess. I have never, look, uh, I know June is always Pride Week and I know they celebrate that and that lifestyle. By the way, the coach sent me an article just the other day about our Hattiesburg Library. Our church is about to intervene in that situation. More people have got to speak up about the garbage that they're pumping out and putting in front of our children. And we sit back though, oftentimes, and all we do is complain. We talk about it, we post about it, we complain about it, but none of us ever, watch this, step in to get involved and see how we might intervene. We're too hesitant, we're too hesitant. Number one, you look at Aaron and her, they just couldn't sit idly by and wait for something to be done. Here's what I believe today. I believe that so many of the moral casualties that we're seeing in our society are not the result of the power of darkness. I honestly believe it's from the hesitation of God's people to get involved. We're just standing by, man, that was horrible. Good night. I mean, one of the saddest things I ever, have ever heard is when someone falls, a Christian falls, a pastor falls, a young person falls, and we do this. Yeah, I figured that was coming. Well, if we figured it was coming, why didn't we do something? Yeah, I saw the destruction coming. Our country is on a one-way road uh, to outer darkness this morning. Yeah, why didn't you do something? I mean, do you know, if you look up there, the Bible says, in verse number 10, the Bible says, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. They were there for a reason. Aaron and, the, and Hur were not there as bodyguards for Moses. I don't think Moses needed the bodyguards, do you? He had God's stick. I mean, he point that thing at you, you'd be in trouble. I don't know what all he could do with it, but the things he did do with it were bad. Aaron and Hur were there to do something. Can I tell you, if we're going to be men that mattered, we've got to get over the hesitancy to be involved in the will of God in our homes, the lives of our children, in our churches, and our country. That's our problem today. We're hesitant. We're just standing by, and we're watching our country slowly go down. Ezekiel 33, let me read something to you, but listen close what the Bible says. The Bible says, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, And the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Whose fault is it? You say, he will be taken in his iniquity, all right? So they are at fault for what's happening to them. They are taken in their iniquity, but I'm going to require the blood of the watchman. I'm going to hold the watchman accountable. Why? Because he had opportunity to do something. That watchman's up on the wall. Can I tell you this morning, we're not just up on the wall to point out what's wrong. Oh, look at what's happening over here uh, with the transgender movement. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. Look what's happening over here. Yeah, I see it. No, it's not our job just to point out what's wrong. It's our job to step in, quit being hesitant, and intervene on behalf of our country. I'm telling you, folks, it blows my mind how preoccupied we are with things that don't matter. And being preoccupied with things that don't matter have produced a generation of men that don't matter. We have a whole generation of men in this country that don't matter. We are so busy and preoccupied with what we want and where we want to go and what we want to do. Our pet peeves, our pet projects. Meanwhile, America's burning down. We're just standing idly by. Oh, yeah, yeah, look at, look at those arms are going down. Yeah, it's tough. Losing the battle. Yeah, that's tough. Why don't we do something? It's sad that oftentimes that our ladies have more moral resolve than our men. I've seen churches held together by ladies. You travel the back roads of this dear state that I love, and you'll see little wooden churches all over this country. And most of them are held together by ladies. Why? Because church doesn't matter to men. That's why men don't matter to our country. I don't know about you, I want to be a man that matters. I want to do something that affects the battle. It doesn't matter what it is. Whether you're a soldier on the field, you're Joshua leading the charge, whether you're Moses holding the staff, or Aaron or her holding up Moses, hey, do something that matters. We can't just complain about it all day long. Boy, it just frustrates me to no end that that's the extent of our involvement. Yep, it's bad. In the words of a 1990s kid, no duh. I mean, you can take the least intelligent teenager in here and they already know that. Our country's in trouble, our world's in trouble, our homes are in trouble, what's the problem? We have too many hesitant men, alright? Number one, we look at Aaron and her. what are they doing? Well, if you look down, he didn't even have to ask them. They stepped up, they secured, they strengthened, they encouraged. I don't quote Harry Truman a whole lot, there's not a whole lot there to quote, but he did say one thing good. A president either is constantly on top of events, or if he hesitates, events will soon be on top of him. Trouble's on top of us right now, and it's beating the daylights out of this country. Why? Because we've hesitated. We've hesitated. Why? Things are good in our world. Our bank account's fine. We're comfortable, and we're hesitant tonight, and that's why we're losing the battle you take your Bible, we won't do this this morning, and just begin reading about your heroes. You'll find one common denominator with all the heroes that I look to in Scripture. Noah's one of my heroes. After I saw the ark, Noah is definitely one of my heroes. You know what the Bible says that when God commanded him to build an ark, do you know what Noah did? He flipped a coin, debated over it, got some advice from his coffee buddies at Wards. Hey, should I do this or not? No. The Bible says he moved with fear. moved. He didn't hesitate. Do you know why God used those disciples in Matthew chapter 4? The Bible says that Christ said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible uses a very, very important word. It says, and straightway." They didn't hesitate. God used the guys who were willing to say, okay, there's a need. I trust you to use me to fill it. That's why he used Daniel. That's why he used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what the Bible says about them? The old king looks down and says, all right, boys. If you don't do what I told you to, I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace, and I'm going to give you one more chance to get right." What do they say? O oh, king, O oh, king, we're not careful. They weren't hesitant. Why? Because hesitancy doesn't often accomplish much in the will of God when you know what God would have you to do. Aaron and Hur looked up, they saw Moses' hands going down, and they said, we've got to do something. So they said, you know what? Let's do something that matters. I believe America's homes and churches this morning are dying right and left. And if there was a tombstone out, you know, I love reading tombstones. I'm not a morbid person, you know. I'm not in the darkness and all that. But uh, anytime I'm preaching a funeral in a graveyard, I love walking around, especially reading those old tombstones. Some of the old tombstones are amazing what they have to say. You can really, really uh, get some good poetry off of them sometimes. And sometimes you'll say, here lies so-and-so, and they'll put when they died or what they died of. If there were a tombstone on so many of the homes of America, so many churches that have died, I believe the tombstone would say something along this line. Here lies a home, here lies a family, here lies a church. Died at the hands of men that didn't matter. Men that didn't matter. We didn't do anything in this life that mattered for anything that's going to matter in the next one. Everything we did in this life only mattered in this life. And we lost our homes, but why? Because we didn't choose to matter. Number one, what was it about these men that mattered, Aaron and her? They were unhesitant men. The man by the name of Milton Olive III, you've probably never heard of him before. He won the Congressional Medal of Honor. He was a private first class in the Vietnam War. He and four other soldiers were walking through the jungle and they heard something come flying through the trees and looked up just enough to see a grenade flying through the bushes and land right center of the groove. There was five total, him and four other men that were there. Milton Olive did not waste a moment. He jumped on it, It detonated, took his life, but spared the life of the other four men that were there. Our country awarded him the Congressional Medal of Honor for his sacrifice Can I tell you what that guy is? He's a hero. Do you know why he's a hero? He didn't hesitate. He said, there's a problem, there's a need, it's going to cost them if I don't do something. And he jumped in and saved the life of the four guys that he had with him. Can I tell you, if you want to be a hero, it's not learning how to dunk a basketball, it's not making a lot of money, it's not having a big house, it's not having a fancy car. Heroes don't hesitate in the will of God. They step up and do what God would have them to do for the very reason that God had them there. Luke chapter 9, let's hurry. Jesus said in verse 62, and Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you know what he's telling them? If you hesitate, you're not going to be much help. You hesitate and you keep looking over your shoulder. Hey, what about, you know, I'm just not sure about the will of God. I know what God says, but wait a minute, what about this back here? He says, hey, don't put your hand to the plow and look back. Quit hesitating. Listen, we're, we're not fit for what God's already given us because we hesitate and we're always worried about what's back there in Egypt and the drawls of our past life when what God offers us is the opportunity to stand in the gap for somebody and make a difference in their life. Do you know what these kids need? They need a church full of men that matter. That, hey, I'm going to stand up in your life. I'm going to encourage you. Hey, ladies, that's what these ladies need this morning. Somebody that decides my life is going to matter in the life of someone else. Our problem is our life only matters to us. And yet there's so many people who need what we have. Quick story, and I'll give you the second point. They get shorter as we go along, okay? There's a New England fishing village full of men. Those men would go out and they would catch fish and crabs and lobsters and all of those things that are out there. And one day they're out there in their little dinghies uh, and they're fishing and they're catching all that they need. And a big storm begins to blow up and it blew up so quick that most of them got in. But one fisherman by the name of Johnny, Johnny wasn't able to get his boat into shore. As the waves began to, to build, it threw Johnny's boat into a rock. And now Johnny's boat is just in pieces everywhere and he's clinging to that rock. The wind is blowing, the waves are crashing upon Johnny, but there's nothing the men on the shore can do to help him. Nothing they can do. So the men on the shore could not leave Johnny sitting there. Night began to fall, the waves were crashing on him, the wind was blowing, and all they could see was Johnny clinging onto that rock. The men decided they were going to build a bonfire out there on the beach that night, and so they built a bonfire out. Every ten minutes, one of the men from the the shore would holler, Johnny, we're still here! Johnny, we're still here. After a while, they began to get tired and fall asleep. And morning began to dawn. The wind began to die down. As the men began to look offshore, they're on the rock. They saw the body of Johnny still clinging to the rock. They hopped in their boat. They rowed out there. Johnny was still alive. Here's what he said. I wrote it down. He said, if there's somebody who cares enough about old John to stay out on a night like this, I guess... I'm not going to quit just yet. He says, so I just hung on there. If you guys were willing to stand on the shore and every once in a while holler at me and encourage me, he said, if somebody's willing to do that for me, then I'm going to hang on a little longer. Those men mattered. Those men mattered. Listen to me. Don't ever bite off on the lie that you don't matter. Don't ever bite off on the lie that God can't use you to encourage a Johnny who's clinging to a rock. And all oh, this morning on Father's Day that we'd have enough men in this church to decide, I want to be a man that matters. I'm not going to be hesitant in the will of God for my life. Notice the second thing real quickly, okay? I want to show you what motivated them, okay? So here, we, here they are, they were unhesitant men. What motivated them? The Bible says, verse 11, It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed and let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. What was it that motivated them? Here's what I believe. I believe they realized if we don't help him, he can't help them. So if we don't do our job, they can't do their job. So they understood that if they didn't get involved, it was going to cost a whole lot more than just their time to get involved. Number one, they were unhesitant men. Number two, notice this, they were understanding men. They were understanding men. They understood what their involvement really, really meant. I believe Aaron and her, I don't know if they talked it over personally, privately, or maybe just in their hearts and minds, I believe what motivated them, listen closely, was the consequence of their inaction. If we don't get involved, there's a lot of people could pay a price. Now folks, in the world we live in today, our involvement oftentimes is based on what we're going to get out of it. I'll get involved as long as all those guys down there know, hey, it was me who did that for you. If they're not going to know about it, then we don't get involved. But can I tell you, they're going to suffer if we don't. They're going to struggle if we don't. They need what we can offer, and what we can offer is ourselves to step up and do what only we can do. And sadly this morning, the problems of this world all around us, and we refuse to get involved. I'm just going to complain about it. The other day, I, I was staying at a house at the church we were preaching at, and uh, the wind began to blow. You know, a lot of storms up there, and trees were down the there. They powers knocked out of the church before we got there. And I opened the blind to look out the window to see the trees blowing. When I opened the blind, between the glass on the outside and the screen on the uh, outside, there was a wasp nest. Red wasp, big old red wasp. And they had built this nest. There was about eight to ten of these wasps sitting on that nest. Well, they were on the other side of the glass, okay? And so I decided I just wanted to aggravate them. I just got jollies out of that. I don't know why. So I'm beating on the glass. And they, they're just flying everywhere, you know. And I, they couldn't bother me. They couldn't bother me. And so when they would get settled down, I don't know why I enjoy that. It shows you I have a sin nature too. They would get settled down and back there, you know, and they're doing the little work that they're doing on the uh, the wasp's nest. And I would go up. They start flying again My goal was that they die of exhaustion Because every time I would scare them they start flapping their wings I'm like, I wonder if I could do this long enough And they just fall over dead You know, heart attack They flap their wings for so long they just fall off dead Well, they didn't do that They're very resilient little critters And, and so I finally just closed the blind And I sat back up on the bed And I was working on my laptop Preparing for the night's message and The longer I sat there, I thought They're just sitting there looking at me And they can't bother me but some unsuspecting person is going to come along, probably weed-eating along the back wall of that building. And they're going to jump out and attack him thinking it's me. They're going to like, ha-ha, that's that guy that bothered us. They're going to put together this flying V. They're going to go, and they're going to attack the guy weed-eating the grass around the building. The longer I sat there, I thought, man, you know, I just can't sit idly by knowing those wasps are there. Now watch, they couldn't touch me. I just had fun with them. They couldn't bother me. The longer I sat there, the longer I thought, you know what? They can bother somebody else. They can bother somebody else. So I hear you wait until nighttime. And so I snuck out one night in my suit, no joke. They say if you take a hot water and you put uh, soap in it, it kills them. I saw that on the internet, so I'm assuming it works. And so I, I put it in there and I, I stirred it up. I'm walking around the back of the house. Thank God nobody shot me. I didn't get thinking about that. You know, some prowler walking around the the building there, the house that was there. I'm sneaking around the back of the house. And they're sitting there. They have no idea what's coming. The element of surprise. I splashed it on them. And they began melting all the way down the window. And and they just sat there. And I got all of them but one. All of them but one. Now, he didn't get me. He's still there. You know what? I, I did my part, all right? I killed most of them. There's still one that was there that was left. But can I tell you, that's how the lost world is. That's how this wicked world is. This wicked world is right there and it's waiting to pounce, to take our children, the hearts and minds of our children. Our public library reflects just that. To take our homes. And there we are sitting. And we know, watch this, we're safe, we're safe, we're on our way to heaven. But there's a lot of people who haven't got in on the inside yet. You know what they need? They need somebody who understands that to go out and do something about it. Go kill the wasps that are there. This morning, I want you to understand something. If you're saved, you're born again, a child of God. We can't go to hell. I'm thankful for that. But we also understand what's going to happen to people who haven't got in yet. And if we don't do something, you know what the Bible says? Their blood is going to be required at our hands. Why did Jesus' must needs go through Samaria? Stick with me. Why did he say? Watch this. The disciples are going to get something to eat. That's how you know they were Baptists. They're going to go get something to eat. Jesus says, I have spiritual work to do. So Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. Why did he must? Why did he must? Can I tell you why? Because he understood that if I don't do what I must do, it's going to cost her. And oh, this morning that we as godly men would have an understanding to realize if I don't do my part, it's going to cost someone else now here's what's amazing I got to throw this in here for, for, for us this morning I don't know that Aaron and her agreed with everything that Moses did I'm sure that there were differences Aaron and her had with Moses maybe the way he dressed Moses I don't like your robe maybe Moses was into one sport and they were into another But at that point watch this it wasn't their differences that mattered it was making a difference that mattered here's what's sad oh and we baptists are the worst at it we have a difference with someone we withhold our aid and we have a spirit of protest well you should have worked out moses then your hands wouldn't be so heavy Moses, you should have got up a little earlier. Maybe you had a little more strength. And we find every which way to criticize somebody instead of just stepping up and helping them. Do you know the Bible says that when you and I, Romans 5, 8, that God commendeth his love toward us, that means God stepped in in our life while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Why was he willing to do that? I promise you, Christ didn't agree with everything you and I were doing. I know that for a fact because that sin had separated us from him. And yet knowing who we were and knowing what we did, what did he do? He stepped in anyway. Why? Because he wanted to matter in our life. I get so sick and tired. Oh man. We, we protest everything. We have a problem with everything. And we withhold fellowship. We withhold encouragement. We withhold support. Well, I just don't like the way you dress. Folks, can I tell you, there is not a person in this room that agrees with everything, with everybody else in this room. But when one day you look down and see somebody in a battle, you ought to be willing to step in for that. And say, you know what? We're on the same team. You don't have to be twins, but you still get to be brothers, right? Amen. Folks, hear me out this morning. You ought to have an understanding that, hey, if I don't encourage them, then man, the people that they are supposed to encourage, they're not going to be a blessing to them either. Number two... They were very understanding men. They were willing to step in regardless of no matter what they thought and what they wanted. They stepped in. Why? Because they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to matter. For some reason this week, I was reading uh, an article, and it led to another article and another article. You know how that goes. And the article led me to a, um, a story about Chernobyl, the nuclear reactor accident. And I never read all of what went on there, but as soon as that nuclear reactor messed up and blew up and began to leak all the radioactive stuff into the air, I mean, that ionic air going into the atmosphere glowed blue, it was just a catastrophe, that they put out a call, and I didn't know this until this week, for pilots, men that were willing to fly a helicopter, a place and they had a a rope, an 800-foot rope that would hang down with this uh, large container and they would fill it with sand, they would fill it with water, and they would fill it with lead, whatever they were using at the time. They would fly over the crater of the reactor and they would dump it, trying to bury all of that fallout from getting out and contaminating virtually the world as it hit the jet stream. They put out the call knowing what it was going to cost those men. And they had man after man, dozen after dozens of pilots show up to fly those helicopters right above the smoldering crater of Chernobyl to drop that sand and to drop that lead so they might save some lives. Within weeks of the disaster, 28 of those pilots lost their lives from radiation poison. And yet time after time, mission after mission, they would fly their helicopters drop the sand, drop the lead, trying to smolder it out. Why? They said because there's people whose lives need to be saved and they were willing to step up. They understood. They understood. If I don't do my part, I might lose my life, but there's going to be a dozen families lose their life if I don't do my part. Folks, this morning, they were willing to do that to save this temporal life. And we withhold? We withhold what because of what? Well, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? There's a whole lot more that matters in this world than you and I. There's eternal things that matter. And it's time that we learn the lesson from these men that mattered. And says, I'm going to step up. Why? Because I know if I don't, it could cost a whole lot of other people their lives. So number two, what were these men that mattered? They were understanding men. James 5.20, the Bible says, listen to this, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. The first three words of that verse say this, let him know. Do you know what that means? Let him understand. You understand that when you convert a sinner from his way, you shall save a soul from death. Paul put it this way, and I'll give you the last point before we close. 1 Corinthians 9.16, for though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. I think it's the first time in my life I read that verse, and I read where Paul says, I, I'm preaching the gospel, but I have nothing to glory of. He said, but woe is me if I don't. Can I tell you this? If preaching the gospel is, a not, is not enough motivation in and of itself, then let not preaching the gospel be a motivation for you. Paul says, I should be motivated to witness and to pass out tracts and to share the gospel. But if I'm not motivated to witness, I should be motivated by not witnessing because woe is unto me if I don't. You and I, there's a woe unto us if we don't. Number two, they were understanding men. They understood that regardless of whatever else was going on, they had to do something. Finally, I want you to see this, and we're going to end on a high note, okay? You've been kind of quiet this morning. Hope that doesn't mean you're mad, okay? Write me a note, all right? Just write me a note like the little girl did and give it to me on the way out the door. Or you can text it to me, we're, we're high tech here. Verse 12 says his hands were heavy. The Bible says an Aaron and her stayed up his hands. I thank God for the errands and hers I have in my life. Oh, what a difference you make. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. Now watch this. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. I want you to notice the extent they were willing to go to. To make a difference, not only in the life of Moses, but the life of those men that were fighting there. The Bible says they got on his hands and they held up his hands. (laughs) We're not letting your hands go down. We're not going to let your hands fall. And watch how long they did it. They were steady until the going down of the sun. The final thing about men that matter or women that matter or teens that matter, I want you to notice number three, they were unwavering men. They were unwavering men. I want you to notice how committed they were to making sure that the job got done. The Bible says they did it till the going down of the sun. They didn't waver. Have you ever helped somebody and after you helped them once, you felt like you checked the box? You ever been there? Okay, I do. Hey, you know, I smiled at you today. I don't have to smile at you tomorrow, right? I encourage you today. I don't have to encourage you tomorrow. Men that matter are unwavering men they didn't quit after they just made an appearance, they didn't quit just after, you know, I've been here an hour. The Bible says they did it until the going down of the sun. That means they were all in until the battle was over. I believe what we need this morning is some men that matter. Men that matter are not men of prominence, or just the ones who have a loud voice. Men that matter this morning are unhesitant men. I'll step up, I'll step up. By the way, that's how David got his start. Big old loud mouth, Goliath down there, David shows up. Is there not a cause? He says, wait a minute. I mean, hey, we're the army of of Israel, of Almighty God, and this guy is cursing our God, I'll go, I'll go. He was unhesitant. But then, we be men of understanding, where we realize if we don't, there's going to be a consequence. Finally, be men that are unwavering. As Paul was closing out his life, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, and he said this, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. I want to pull one thing out of here real quickly. He says, "Commit it to faithful men who shall be able. You see, we're not able if we're not faithful. We're not able. We can't do. Listen, if Aaron and her had said, hey, Moses, look, I know you're going through a tough time right now, but I got things to do, okay? I mean, the the, the bass are really biting right now, and I got to go. If they were wavering, they couldn't help him. They would not be able. I think that's why we're not able. Why? Because we're not faithful. We won't stick with it regardless of what's going on. We are wavering rather than being unwavering. I love reading about David's mighty men. Oh, we so many things we could tell about them. Do you know what made them mighty? They were faithful. Remember when David wanted some water? David says, I'd love to drink water out of the well. The Bible says those men broke through the lines to go get him the water. Here's Shama, standing in a field of lentils. He's one of my heroes in the Bible. The Bible says that man defended an entire field of lentils against the Philistines. Oh, man, he just wouldn't quit. He was unwavering. Those men mattered. The question this morning is simply this. The sun is setting. I don't know if you noticed this. The sun is setting. The sun has reached past midday, and I believe it's on the horizon going down for this life. And when the trump of God sounds, when darkness comes, when no man can work, when darkness comes, will you have mattered? Well, you have mattered. What did you do? Well, I'll tell you, I've got this, I've got that, I did this, and I, I got that. But what did you do that mattered eternally? Because if we don't do something that matters eternally, we didn't do anything at all. What are you doing that matters over there? Well, you know what, I'm doing this. No, no, no. Folks, what are we doing that's eternal? What are we doing that's eternal? What are we doing that's going to matter? Are we investing in these young people? Are we pointing them in the right direction? Are we supporting our church? Are we encouraging others? Are we winning the loss? Those are things that matter. But if they don't matter to you, can I tell you something? You're not going to matter. You're not going to matter. We're standing idly by. Let's get with our committees and let's talk about this. Should we help Moses? Yeah, you ought to. Why? Moses needs help. All right. You look around, you see a need, you're wondering, well, should I help this church member? They, they, what gets me? Oh, what gets me? I promise, I am done. I'll close my Bible, that way you know I'm, I'm serious. We see somebody and their attitude and their countenance is not great. And we're like, what's wrong with them? Well, if something's wrong, maybe you need to go find out to help them. Not so you can share a prayer request about gossip. We need to pray for them because, no. To go help them. Blows my mind. You'll go through a tough time. People would say, I could tell you were struggling. I'm like, well, thanks for calling. Yeah, I could tell by your countenance sitting up there, something was wrong. Yeah, appreciate the note. I'm going to keep Madeline's in here while I wait on yours. Can I tell you folks, you see somebody struggling, go do something that matters. You see somebody's hands getting weak, step in, help them up. Why? Because that matters. you never know this morning the difference you're going to make in their life and the life of others can i ask you this this morning men women teenagers everybody else are you unhesitant or have you been hesitating have you been hesitating i just don't know i just don't i'm just gonna do my own little thing over here aaron says okay i'm gonna get over here and i'm gonna map out what we need to do next on the plan no i'm gonna step in and get involved why because i want to matter Aaron and her matter. They were unhesitant. Then they were understanding. Could I just tell you this morning, if you don't do something, you're contributing to the problem. Aaron says, I'm going I'm to try to hold up that hand as long as I can. And then, could I just encourage you today, be unwavering. Be unwavering. Don't let anything shake you. Why? Because the battle that's going on below, it's too important for us this morning to get sidetracked by things that don't matter. Men, could I encourage you today, by way of invitation, be a man that matters. Be a man that matters. Mom, grandma, wife, young person. Be a young person that matters. Be about something that matters. Be unhesitant, be understanding, and be unwavering. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together this morning. It's Father's Day.